When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dr. D here, popping in just to tell you about our friendly neighborhood painting gallery. The painting gallery with no name is a friendly painting competition to encourage accountability to that pile of shame. At the end of the season, praise and prizes will be given out as a reward. At the end of the season, the Fury's Finest Discord will vote on two winners. These winners will get a prize, and then we will raffle out additional prizes to the remaining participants. We will announce the winners on the show and celebrate one of the best parts of the hobby. This season's theme is an Asgardian. MCP, 3D printed, or a Marvel board game will all count as long as they follow this theme. Remember, take a picture of your unpainted or lightly painted model, then paint the heck out of it. Take four photos of your freshly completed masterpiece and send us all five photos to furypainting at gmail.com by October 3rd to submit your entry. Make sure your five pictures have your name on the file so we know who to send the prizes to. Good luck and have fun. I speak for everyone when I say we are excited to see what you managed to paint. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea. Bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co host, Chris Ruffett. Chris, how are you doing today? Oh, Jesse, I'm enjoying the calm before the storm. That's right. That is you and I's today. We got a lot to do today. Uh, but. <laughs> We'll talk about that a little bit later, but in the in the immediate sense, talking general MCP, Jesse, I'm great, man. I mean, with all the new announcements, the new releases, the news, Ugh. which we're going to get to all of the newest, latest, freshest, hottest news today. That's right. Man, <laughs> it's awesome. We have, we're awesome. just inundated with uh, bad guys right now. We are. It's a weird thing. It's, it's, it's no, a weird it's good. Thing. It's good. I- <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I was something I was thinking about the other day because I heard Omnis talking about on on his feed with Danny. He has a new co-host. Omnis is like, it feels really strange that I'm the hero player and Danny's the villain player because Omnis notoriously in the past and other games has played villain factions. Not the case in MCP with him, and not the case with you and I in MCP. I mean, mainly you and I play hero factions, and I've dabbled a little bit in villains, and so have you. And we've had our mainstays of the villains, but the villains as a whole, we haven't really dove deep into we've kind of had our niche 
villain teams like me with the spider foes, right? You with the brotherhood. That's right. But it's like the villains as a whole, we haven't really dug super deep into those. Like we have the hero teams, like my main teams being like, you know, stuff like the X-Men, stuff like the Sam Swarm, you know what I mean? So you playing the X-Men as well. So it's just that type of thing where we've got a lot of villains coming. And they're villains that you and I are excited about. We're going to talk about that today a lot. But you did mention some exciting stuff that's going on right now. So we are in the news today. We waited to the last second that we could. I guarantee there's going to be more news like the second <laughs> this comes out. That's how yeah. it always works. And also, Every I've, been, time. I've been sick the last week and still not there yet. So forgive us for all that if the news comes out and forgive my voice today. But we've got a lot of other stuff going on in our personal local Fury's Finest circle here. Oh, yeah, baby. We're finally ready to talk about it on the air because it's something you and I have been working on a long time. Chris's idea here that is fully formed into a, I think, pretty cool, unique tournament that we got on our hands here that we're looking to expand potentially in the future. We are absolutely hoping to expand in the future, but for the immediate future, uh, we are holding a little round robin tournament um, at a retro bowling alley here in town. That's right. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are full to the gills already. This is the first one, obviously. And uh, just absolutely, yeah, just (laughs) absolutely thrilled with the response. It's going to be a a really fun time, we hope, and just kind of get everybody together, celebrate MCP, mixing of play groups and whatnot. It's just going to be a good time. Agreed. And I, I resounding with what Chris says here. Yeah, we just cast the net very small very close. We didn't extend it to the entire Tulsa local area. We just sent it to our local play groups. And the response was good, Chris. We capped out immediately at this first test run of the fun tournament. But yeah, retro bowling alley with with some drinks and hopefully some snacks in the future, some things we can expand on. And just a different environment that a game store is going to be really cool. And we, we have it all to ourselves too, which is very different from a game store because I think you have heard me on this podcast talk about part of the hobby, which is a complaint of mine. It's, you know, it's one of those first world problems, but it's like sometimes when you play in leagues and stuff and other stores, they got three or four other leagues going on simultaneously that same night. Table space is limited. Volume and sensory levels are at a max. Mm-hmm. Really hard to play your best and have a fun time. And uh, we're trying to mitigate a lot of that, I think. And right. kinda, we're trying to make it like the highest level we can, but also completely relaxed. So it's like, I don't know, the environment will be much more conducive of that, I believe. Right. I think so, too. You know, we're going to have some TVs going. We'll have some music going. That's right. Adult drinks will be available for purchase. Kind of a softer environment uh, than, mm, you know, your yeah. local game store. You know, the the Dr. Peppers will be flowing, Jesse. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's a couple people there I know will be big partakers of that Dr. Pepper. But yeah. It's really exciting. We're titling at the Fury Open, which is very exciting. And this is the first kind of pilot run. And then depending on how this goes, we're going to do more of this in the future, build our local community up, but maybe expand outside of that. Time will tell. Resources will tell. Interest will tell. So just something exciting that we got going on in our real lives that we'll also talk about on the After Dark in greater depth. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's fun to talk about it here because we're mere hours away. I've been working on table setups. You've been working on logistics with the actual venue. Yeah, there's just a lot of there's a lot of things to talk about. And this is something I would talk about after dark because we want to talk about if you want to do this at your local level, some of the things that have worked for us and not worked for us, some of the things we're kind of experimenting with, doing something that's not a store, you know, with a kind of baked in system, baked in tables, baked in sort of game nights. 
I think this can go a lot higher, but it requires a little bit more work. So something to look at. Absolutely. And and like I said, I really like thinking of it as kind of a, a celebration of our local MCP scene and that's right. You know, not something where we're going to be sharing space with the, and nothing against these other games. We all play them, but Legion, Warhammer, infinity, all these things, you know, we're there to, to focus in, think about, talk about, hang out and play MCP. Absolutely. It's going to be like a little mini Marvel only night, you know, kind of like a special party. So it's really fun. Music, TVs, games, all Marvel to the max. As best as we can to this point. Yeah, we're trying our very best. Uh, we'll break out the uh, the Jesse Marvel playlist. Hopefully, we can get that going too. <laughs> Taken off, by the way, on Spotify, Chris. I don't oh, know what no. happened. People have found it. I, I thank our patrons for that because they've been listening to it during their TTS games and stuff and sharing. I'm going to sneak guys. in some uh, some Chris songs onto that, uh, right? And just really make people angry. They'll be like a super chill version of the Loki <laughs> theme, and then it'll go into some Chris Alt music that I would enjoy, but. It starts slimming down after that, right? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Good stuff. But today we're back in the news updates. It's also fun. We can talk like this in Mm. the front of the news update because we've got some new series starting on the show very soon with some exciting new affiliations. So stay tuned for that. Dormammu was really fun. We got a really good response from that. And hopefully we can do some Dormammu stuff on After Dark too, Chris, because I think, as you mentioned the episode, underutilized and underplayed. And we want to expand that, honestly. You're not wrong. Halloween is like my favorite season of the year and that's coming up. And I feel like all these sort of Halloween factions we have in the game, I feel like Dormammu is right in there with the Midnight Suns and things like that. And what a time to try Dormammu. You should try it out. I think so. And definitely the Midnight Suns. So we're going to pursue that too. But today, Chris, we're not doing any of that. We're doing the news update, which I mentioned. And we haven't done a news update in a while because we did the mini Stravaganza news update, which almost killed us. One of our longest episodes of all time. Tough edit. A fun episode to oh, make. Oh, man. Tough episode to record, marathon. This is going to be a shorter news update today, and that's going to be fun because we can actually really dive deep into what it is about, which is the Sentinels. But before we get into the Sentinels and before we get into our OP updates, we have a little business to tend to. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy this show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution, which gets you a part of our Discord community. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we want to send out a very special shout out and thank you to Jonathan. Jonathan, thank you so much for supporting Fury's Finest. Thank you, Jonathan. And of course, Chris, we cannot do this show without our Avenger producers. They make the show happen, help us pay our bills. That's Rusty, Dylan, Nathan, Brian, and Rich. Thank you so much, Avengers. All right, Chris, let's get into the news update. Oh, boy. So starting our news like normal, we're going to go through the affiliation list and what's been added and changed with the affiliations. It's one of my favorite parts of the game. When these get expanded every month or two. And we've had some updates to the affiliation list, which is very exciting, namely in the way of a new team and some characters that showed up in certain places. So now that all of the Hydra models and shield models are out in the world, we can talk about Cabal getting Arnim Zola and Baron Strucker as part of Cabal. I mean, you expected it, right? Cabal is the kind of Avengers pastiche 
for the bad guys, the, the yep. all-encompassing team. And, you know, those two have made so many appearances in Cabal-related things or tangentially Cabal things uh, over just the many, many years they've been characters. No surprise. Yeah, no surprise here. And as Chris said, it's the catch-all of a lot of these bad guys. And of course, Hydra is a major sub-faction of Cabal. So it's all full circle. But that leads us to Hydra. So we have a brand new affiliation in the game, and now we know every single member on the team. I'm just going to go through them real quick, and we can talk about interesting stuff here, Chris. Keep in mind, the Red Skull of Hydra is not on this list yet, but he is on this list. We know confirmed that he is a leader of Hydra, so he is absolutely on this list. So Baron Strucker is a leader, and he's Hydra. And then we have Red Skull of Hydra. Then we have Arnim Zola, Baron Zemo, Bob, Agent of Hydra. No no surprises there. That's funny. Crossbones, Red Skull, Corset, Red Skull, Sin, Taskmaster, very interesting, and Viper. That's the full list. Very small compared to the Cabal list, which, sure. which I personally love even more. Well, Makes that me means like they're probably going to have better, like more powerful tactics cards too. Yeah, and we've seen those. They're they're very strong. Oh yeah, baby cards and strong name character cards too. Of course, you know something like Scientific Method on Arnim Zola or you know Red Skull's card that gives him essentially the old school time gym. You know, crazy stuff like that. So those are just name character cards. But some things that stand out to me on this list, I we assume these characters were going to be here, but we didn't know Crossbones and Sin. We know for sure now. Love it. Taskmaster was kind of a great curveball. Everyone kind of had the strongest of inklings that we'd have Bob and Viper on the list. And it's cool because Bob and Viper don't get a lot of representation in the game and they're really not they're not on really any teams. So for them to be Cabal and Hydra now, they have two teams. We're gonna see them more. As I think we should. And I I think Viper, she's been misaligned for so long, Chris, and I think she's actually probably good in Hydra. With the conditions. I think she finally has a home. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited for that because I like Viper's kit quite a bit. But I am not excited to be seeing more of Bob. Okay. Not one bit. <laughs> Chris has a thing. It's Bob. I, I, I hate I'm him. Familiar, I'm familiar. He's with so him. annoying. See, he is annoying, but some would say he's the least viable too. And I, I want that opinion to change you know i want that opinion to change oh i think that's 100 percent incorrect yeah (laughs) right just his viability of um not being able to be removed right from a from exactly secure from a secure and what's pretty cool too chris is obviously not on this list but with the red skull of hydra he brings his hydra agents which are like a grunt that are essentially on this list as well and they're like another version of Bob. They're another character that sits on secures and yeah, you have exactly. to go deal with them. You don't want to deal with them, but you go and do it anyways. I'm looking forward to playing Hydra a lot. And I'm sure you are. Yeah, this is you. They're I, screaming I no your name. In Cabal, right? It's it's crazy. I've had zero interest in playing Cabal. Never have played Cabal and except our course at days when we're learning the game. <laughs> yeah. And like outside of Baron Zemo in the corset days, I mean, Cabal didn't even do much. And unless you just wanted to play Modoc and dominate your local meta and be that guy. And I definitely didn't want to do that. And Cabal's very, you know, solid. We know this, like get more power, kill stuff, play the game. Hydra, 
not the case. There's so many things going on. So many tactics cards combos, so many condition removing, the getting back and giving it back again. Crazy, crazy things. I'm really looking forward to playing Baron Strucker's leadership and bring Artem Zola and that tan every time, right? And just kind of going from there, start with those two guys and build your list out. And I'm really looking forward to Hydra. But as we mentioned at the top, we're not really a villain podcast where you play a lot of villain teams. So it's I'm kind of interested to break break my break my comfort zone there a little bit, Chris. But let's talk a little bit more about my comfort zone. <laughs> A team I've been trying to learn lately, and I have been for some time, and I feel like I've finally started to really crack the code. Team I played in the Fury's Finest Secret Wars 3, Shield. Shield got some new additions. Yeah, the code's going to be a little easier to crack with these additions, I'll tell you that. (laughs) That's right. Nick Fury Sr. and the Howling Commandos on their whopping 50 millimeter base. Pretty impressive uh, lizard movement. Yeah, Steve Rogers, Captain America. Of course, this is fighty Captain America. This is World War II Captain America. A model that you and I are... We're pretty We're pretty high on him. We're over the moon on him, especially as the community is kind of down talking him a little bit, you know? Well, as soon as he's in my hands, I'll show him different. Good. I mean, I'll do my best, Jesse. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but also, here's the big one. And I, the one I think is just going to be everywhere for a little bit is the original Human Torch. Absolutely. What a powerful three. Uh, just in terms of how much that model can affect the game from a three threat standpoint is kind of insane. Just all the incinerates and things he can hand out just alone kind of wild yeah and he's he's a big finesse piece too right like he's not easy to play and he's a glass cannon and i just find that very intriguing that's why you and i have always been really drawn to gambit too it's like these glass cannon type three threats that not quite all rounders but when the time is right for them and you play them right you get more than that three threat out of them and they that was the right time to bring them right so it's like oh we're playing demons downtown yep i'm gonna play torch kind of cagey rounds one and two but round three, I'm coming in. I'm going to do a lot of things and gain a lot of power because everybody's incinerated. So I'm really looking forward to these three characters immensely, Chris. I think they open up S.H.I.E.L.D. in a lot of ways. And right, I think S.H.I.E.L.D. went from being good if you know how to play them well to great uh, if you know how to play them well. And they're still not an easy faction to play. They're not plug and play by any means. They're very different the way they play in the game. It's really interesting to have a truly defensive gunline faction, you know, purely defensive gunline faction. I mean, they're not aggressive and the way they play is just so interesting and different from the game. We've talked about this when we saw their leadership, but also their cards, kind of the way they play, they kind of just keep you at parity and then they just barely cross the finish line at the end of you. They're not really like a dominate you like on extracts or something like web warriors or like dominate you on attrition. They definitely can't do that. They're, they're death by a thousand cuts, but they kind of just, defensively keeping you at bay they stay a point or so ahead all game and then they just oh before you know it the final score is 17 to 13 and you're like what happened yeah. you know and that's kind of an interesting way to play the game and i think very viable because they're kind of an all-arounder against most teams and that's they don't really dominate much but in the hands of a good player they're really strong and I, i'm really looking forward to obviously i think we, you and i talked about it, fury and the howling commandos gonna be everywhere like in shield lists and especially people are going to try them on their other lists too because of siblings and arms which is so effective that medusa place but i'm more interested to see steve rogers and human torch other places because i think they're a little harder to play and they're definitely more flex pieces but in the hands of a good player when they bring them out if there's the right flex piece on the right team they're going to do a lot chris I'm, I'm really thinking we're going to see them in a lot of interesting places as that 
ninth or 10th model that they bring out at the right time. 100% agree. I've already got some slots waiting to try them out in X-Force. That's right. Look, I just think they're really, I just think they're really solid. I understand that there's nothing exactly new on their kits and that's not very, very exciting, but Hmm. they are, (laughs) I don't know, man, for, for a four and a three, the amount of work that these two can do kind of just subtly over the course of the game by gaining incremental advantages and, and cashing those in. I just think it's very powerful. Well, and you and I, I mean, anyone's listened to the show knows that you and I love specialist characters. So yes. to have a specialist three threat, it's kind of like the super glass cannon at close range and to have a specialist four threat, which also hits really hard, but he's less versatile than some of the other four threats in the game. I, I just find it very cool. And do not discount Steve because this Steve has on your left and he is he can run the marathons and classic Steve cannot. Like I said on the episode when we did the mini extravaganza news update, this Steve could just move, move on your left and close out a game. That's mm. three moves, right? And get somewhere he needs to be, flip that pay-to-flip objective, game's over. And you weren't expecting that, right? So this Steve's got it, some things in his back pocket classic Steve doesn't have, but of course... He's nowhere near as defensive as classic Steve. And I, I find that cool. I, I like that we have both Steves and golly, this this model is probably one of my favorite in the game right now, Chris. This Steve. Like it's it's so detailed and it's so evocative of the character. It kind of blows the course that Steve just, just frankly out of the water as Well, you know, of course he's going to. This just the costume and um and then you add it's got a custom World War II base on t- on top of that with the sandbags and you know all the World War II wreckage. I love it. Probably playing him tonight at the tournament. Ooh, buddy. What's the point of fun tournaments if you're not trying new models? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I've got I've got somebody I'm I, I got together last night that I'll be pulling out. So that's exciting. That's really exciting. But yeah, Chris, that's the new affiliation list. You know, it's been fun lately because we got additions to Cabal with Malekith, and we got additions to Asgard with Heimdall and Scourge. And then we got a whole new faction in Hydra with some Cabal additions. And then, of course, Shield is fully fleshed out now. They're going to be in a good spot going forward. But I'm really looking forward to what's coming to the affiliation list next. We know Sentinels are coming, so we're going to a whole nother faction. But on oh, top man. of that, where, where do these new mutants, where all these mutants fit? We have some ideas, but also stuff they haven't even announced yet, right? And that leads us right into the topic of today's discussion, the new affiliation of the game, Sentinels, which, you know, what a great name, just Sentinels. We don't know who's on their list except the Mark IV, the Mark IV Prime, and Cassandra Nova. That's all we know so far. That might be it. For I the have time some being. ideas on who's coming later, and I'm not excited about it. It's going to be annoying. <laughs> that and also just like the possibility of mark threes like other experimental like mark fours we've seen in the comics yeah. and things like that like what if we get mother mold right there's Could a you lot imagine of size 12 that's really good Chris. but i think we have to start today with basic sentinel mark four because this is kind of their workers mm-hmm. character Absolutely. right chris so if you want to start us off chris we'll just jump right into this sentinel mark four sentinel mark four defense stats read as follows physical three energy four Mystic four, seven health on the healthy side, and we have six health on the injured side, a threat level of four, size five, with a movement range of short. And of course, it's going to be a big base. That's 65 millimeter base. So, wow. It's like Hulk moving. You know, we're, we're very familiar with the short move on the 65, but yeah, Chris, let's talk about this 13 health. Pretty good for a four threat, you know, 
we're familiar with four threat health numbers and that's on the upper end, right? Defenses, kind of what you want to see on a Sentinel. We we always know physicals their worst because they just start breaking down over time, right? Like a Terminator. just shreds them, baby. <laughs> that's right. Like a hot knife through butter. As he should. Four threat is the most interesting part to me. And I'm going to talk about something right here while we're here on the superpower side because they break a basic game rule. Innate superpower master mold when building a roster or squad. A player may include two of this Mark IV character instead of the normal one. So this breaks the mold of MCP where you can have no doubles of characters, no doubles of alter egos. This just gets around that because they're Sentinels. They don't have alter egos. There's many of them. And the Mark IVs, the basic Mark IVs, there are many of them. So Chris, right at the gate, I'm thinking about this guy being eight threat and there being two of them. That's kind exactly. of how I'm framing because I, I think you're going to want to use this master mold as much as you can. And I say that too, with the thought in mind with splashing these guys too, right? Absolutely. When we get through the entire card here, it's going to become pretty obvious how good these guys can be. So I, I don't think being able to do restraint cables twice around is a bad thing. Just yeah. being honest. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Give me more Gwen pulls. That's right. Mm-hmm. Let's start with his attacks. He has an energy attack called Plasma Blast. It's range three, strength of four, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, the Sentinel gains power equal to the damage dealt. So this is a builder attack. When the attack is chosen, during the pay power cost step of the attack, so cost zero normally, but this now we have a new trigger. The Sentinel may spend up to three additional power. Add one die to the attack for each power spent this way. Awesome. Awesome. We can go from a four dice strike to a five, six, or seven dice strike from range three, Chris. Very good. Hey, man. And you can build more power off those extra dice, too. So that's... Glad you mentioned that. Kind of cool. It's something I talked about recently on the mini Stravagant stuff. I'm talking about Red Skull. A lot of these characters that are like, add dice to your roll... So beneficial to add dice to your strikes, right? Absolutely. And get more power. And we know how MCP dice go. They can spike really hard. So adding more dice to your strike can only give potentially give you more dice to spike to give you more power on the strike. So I think this is like the basis of their kit is that they have a range three turret from a large 65 millimeter size base. They're slow, but you can't hide from them because uh, we kind of glossed over that big. Chris, they're as tall as Dormammu. They're size five. They're so they huge. Can see, they can see pretty much behind most terrain. They can like, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of interesting things going on where you can really only hide from them behind size fives. And that's at certain angles. You know, if they catch you on a corner of a size five, they can still get you. So for turret characters like this, and the strike is very good. And I think you're going to spend this power a lot to build up their strike. Yeah, I, I absolutely would. It's just, I mean, it's there. You might as well use it. Yeah. Uh, the next strike is a physical strike. It is suppression protocols. It is also range three, strength of eight, a power cost of three. So this is their spender, yeah. This is the spender. On a wild, you will trigger suppression after this attack is resolved. For each wild in the attack roll, the defending character gains one of the following special conditions. Incinerate, shock, or slow. That can, that's good. I mean, 
you're going to give all three of those to somebody at some point, and that's going to feel awesome. It really is. Yeah. But you're going to miss a lot too. And that's going to, that's, that's going to feel bad. Also eight dice physical, no slouch. This is kind of a mage killer attack too. Cause you know, all the wizards are pretty bad on physical defense. So yeah, but you just love it for that incinerate that shock and slow. Sometimes maybe a good thing to do with these sentinels is suppression protocols first, and then plasma blast. And maybe you defeat a model because you incinerated them before. Right. And very powerful, very powerful, but moving on, we're going to move on to their superpowers. They have five which is very cool. The first superpower is an active and the only active superpower called Restraint Cables costs two power. Choose an enemy character within four and line of sight of the Sentinel. Very important. No Venom stuff here. The chosen character is pushed towards the Sentinel short. The superpower can be used only once per turn. This is a, a spider person web line pull, Chris. Very good. Very good. Yes. We know how it is amazing these are in the game. I've been working on these lately with my web warriors and trying to get as good as possible as web lines and uh, Sentinels having web lines kind of innately for two power with uh notice, no size restriction. Yep. Pull that Hulk, do what you need to do, you know, pull that Dormammu. That's right. So I think this is kind of probably one of the most important parts of their kit because they are so slow. They have to pull models into their range three kill zone because both their attacks are range three, but also it's just a good way to actually have some objective play and not let the enemy just overwhelm them on points and just kind of score out before they get to kill stuff. Exactly. Being able to deny secures or win secures by surprise at the end of a round uh, using these restraint cables is going to be very, very effective. And honestly, when we get to the prime, uh, you're looking at potentially three of these web lines every round. It's quite a bit of control that's true for, you know, a tall ish, you know, roster at this point. Let's move on, Jesse, to his innate superpowers. Of course, we touched on his first one, Master Mold. So let's move on to the next innate superpower. It is Power Matrix. At the end of this character's activation, it gains two power. Now, I really like that they've been doing this kind of at the end of activations gain power lately. It really cuts down on turn one shenanigans and weirdness. I just don't really fit into the spirit of, you know, the game. In my opinion, I understand if it's legal in a competitive setting, you got to do what you got to do, but yeah, just an opinion. No, I think this type of stuff keeps Steve reined in too, right? Which Mm -hmm. is really good because turn one plays with Steve are out of control when you've got good superpowers, right? Right. So yeah, I I love this, Chris. The fact that they kind of gain three power every turn, you know, one at the top of the round, two when they go. Very cool. I mean, you're you're able to get suppression protocols off every round if you want. Yeah. Basically, turn two onward, right? You just... Yes. Yes. Turn two onward. Yes. Weirdly, if you think about it, it's like turn two onward, you've got three, four-ish power, and then you're into your turn, you get more power, right? Yeah. Restraint cables is what I'm thinking about. Turn two on every turn. Every turn. But continuing on, we have an innate superpower, Sentinel Programming. This character cannot be advanced or pushed by mystic attacks or superpowers. So, sorry, Web Warriors. And when defending against mystic attacks, the Sentinel counts wild results in the defense role as two successes. We've seen it on Ultron. The core set is full circle. Robots are not affected by mystic mind attacks. I love it. Yeah, we're going to be seeing that. I already mentioned how suppression protocols kind of beats up on mages and wizards. This just kind of takes it over the top because they've also got defensive tech against mages and wizards. So 
yeah, uh, watch out. Strange players out there. I certainly am. I'm worried about him. Closing out his card, Chris, he has some innate superpowers. He has flight, which of course they do. And they have immunity to bleed and poison because we're keeping that robot theme going. Just like Vision, just like Ultron. They're not affected by these biological things. So their power is never getting messed with on a poison side of things, but they can be stunned. So their power can be messed with that way. They're never getting bleed. So they're not getting that little ping of damage. What's not to love, you know? Look. They're good. They are good. But we got to move to the back, Chris, because some things change. There is a little bit of change. And let's start with the first one. Plasma Blast will now become Plasma Leak. It is an energy attack. It is range two, strength four, power cost of zero. The range is shortened. Yes, the range is shortened. And we have some more text. The first is Systems Overloading. When rolling additional dice for critical results during this attack... Roll two additional dice instead of one for each crit in the attack roll. That's nice. It is nice. That's a little uh, just icing on top of that crit there. But we have one more thing to look at here, Jesse. We've got systems critical as well. Really going all in on this theme of the Sentinel being injured. Systems critical. After this attack is resolved, this character suffers one damage for each critical in the attack roll. Suddenly systems overloading isn't as sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool balancing act. I, I really like it a lot. It's something we saw first on Rody War Machine with his empty the clip. Kind of seeing it come full circle with that. Really good. I mean, this attack is nuts on the back on a four yeah. cat. But it's like they all it, they also hurt themselves. So because you could crit into more crits, right? <laughs> And take Absolutely. More so I think it's a trade you'll take though on this backside because the signal just gets less effective on its backside in general because also, Chris, we have a damaged power matrix now instead of the power matrix. So at the end of the signal's turn, it gains one power instead of two. So now they're kind of getting two power rounds instead of that three we mentioned earlier. So I guess we got to talk about theme here, Chris, because we are Furious Finest and we love this type of stuff and we love Sentinels so much. This is so evocative of the cartoon of comics. Oh, absolutely. The the robot is breaking down, you know, systems failure. Uh, things are not working, but that the programming will not allow this machine to stop from attempting right. to fulfill its mission, its programming. I I also love the idea of a team that is just out and out stronger, a kind of a taller team that's out and out stronger early game. Yes. And and it's just kind of a, a race to try to eliminate models or, or score points or whatever before you start getting flipped and your models get a little more a little more spiky, a little more risk rewardy, and you know things can go south from there pretty easily as we've all experienced. Oh, absolutely! And of course, you know, keep in mind this is MCP. So to get the Sentinel to this side, you just gave them a ton of power on the front side, right? Because exactly. you damage them a lot. So I love the balancing mechanic of that too, because they're they're going to restraint cables you, they're going to suppression protocols you, they're going to do everything they can on this backside, and maybe the suppression protocols more, and they don't even plasma leak, mm-hmm. and they they worry less about taking damage from their own attacks. But I find it very cool, Chris, that you as the player playing against the Sentinels have a lot of interesting decisions to make. Do I flip all three of the Sentinels to their backside and make them? worse or do i focus fire one at a time and just remove them off the table right there's interesting questions you have to ask yourself because you can't really mess it up can't really spread it out in the wrong way but it's cool that you can flip them all they all get more dangerous but they also they get weaker on the power side and they get weaker in the way of their strikes but it's like 
you also flipped them all, gave them a bunch of power. There's a lot of interesting questions being asked of you and uh, very evocative of the mutants fighting the Sentinels because frequently they have to do that. They have to like either focus fire them or they have to like spread it out and kind of draw them out in different directions, right? And a lot of things are in this kit and I love it so much because let's keep in mind, you can bring two of these and you probably frequently are as a splash player and you are every time as a Sentinel player bringing two of these in your 10 character roster. So a lot of things going on with these two Mark IVs on the board. But that leads us to the Prime, Chris. Oh, yes. The Sentinel Prime Mark IV with uh, the following defenses. Physical, three energy, four mystic, four. We have 10 health on the front side, eight health on the back side. Threat cost of five, size of five, and a movement of short. So the health went up. A lot went up five. Yeah. We went up from 13 to 18. But more importantly, Chris, 10 health on the front is a lot. It's absolutely a lot. Uh, it's going to be hard to get this guy flipped just because getting 10 damage through on any on any single character can be pretty tough. Yeah. But also sometimes you get 10 damage through when you just needed one. You know, you never know. Absolutely. So let's move on to his attacks, and then we'll talk about his super cool superpowers. His first attack is a energy attack called the Plasma Blast Mark II. It's range three, strength of five from that four earlier in the Mark IV, and then a power cost of zero. After the attack is resolved, the Sentinel Prime gains power equal to the damage dealt. When the attack is chosen during the pay power cost step of the attack, the Sentinel Prime may spend up to three additional power. Add one die to the attack pool for each power spent this way. So he can go from five base to eight. Eight die strikes, Chris, I hear are kind of insane. Insane. That's what folks are saying. I'm not sure, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, when uh, that's higher than Malekith's strike of seven. <laughs> In a five threat. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, Malekith has things like, oh, I don't know, charge and throw. Baked in that strike. If he did his charge, he gets to throw two. So it's... Kind of awesome. Once again, though, range is limited. Just range three. It doesn't get longer or something, which I love that we're kind of at that cool range of range three mm-hmm. is their scary, scary place to be. Not a lot more to say other than just an additional die, which we know in MCP, an additional die adds a lot to your potential for wilds, to your potential for crits, stuff we like in the game, right? Uh, more oh, successes, better. So one more die in MCP is usually a lot more than one more die in other war gaming systems so if you're new to the game just keep in mind the higher strikes get i mean they really can spike a lot and get you a lot more power in this character i mean you're gonna probably want to throw eight dice on the strike every chance you get sure honestly you're not gonna get to every time of course but no when you can do it that's nuts yeah sometimes you need to be really conservative right and you're like okay i have three or four power on my sentinel i just i gotta save it i can't spend that last two because i need the restraint cables as a as a fallback like if he, if he just whiffs so you're like okay i'll spend one or two power on the strike see where it goes oh i got a lot of power okay now i'll spend three on the next strike right and then i'll restrain cables for exactly sure. so it's just it's it's gonna be um calculated decisions for sure let's move on to his next attack jesse it is a physical attack it is suppression protocols mark two is a range three strength nine power cost of four for each wild in the attack roll, the defending character gains one of the following special conditions incinerate shock or slow. So this is essentially the same attack we saw on the mark four. it's 
costs one more power, which is, you know, balance. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I, I'll take that for nine dice. That's insane. I mean, nine dice is so much. You're you're right. Yes, it's less about nine dice because we we've seen how nine dice goes in this game. Chris sometimes it just does nothing. Gene Spender, I am well aware. You, yeah, but when it's guaranteed, you can get multiple multiple wilds off. You're fine with it because you're like, oh, I hit for not like I rolled nine dice. I only did like four damage, which is definitely below average, but I got three wilds off. Okay. I win. Like I win at the end of the day. That was actually way better. I gave you the incinerate shock and slow. So there's upsides on both sides of the hill in this, right? There's upsides when your dice spike and you do a lot more damage and maybe you didn't get any wilds, but that's okay. And then there's upsides when your dice don't really do much, but then you got some wilds, like say they block it all. That's okay. You still gave them a bunch of conditions. I love it. I think it's really good. But Chris, now it's the, you know, moment we've all been waiting for the, the main attraction. That's right. The main event here, Mutant Hunters, Affiliation Sentinels, it is the Prime's leadership. When an enemy character is dazed, after the effect is resolved, choose a number of allied characters up to the dazed enemy character's threat value. Each chosen allied character gains one power. A character cannot gain more than one power as a result of this leadership ability each turn. So Magneto blows up stuff and gives out power. The Sentinels defeat models of certain threat numbers, and then they pass out that threat number to themselves and their allies. Very cool. I am very excited to see this in practice. Yeah. It's very, very cool. I call it like I don't know. I can't really wrap yeah, I can't really wrap my head around it until I, I play it or see it, maybe. Man. Yeah, it's very interesting. Seems good. I wanna say it's good. But I'm not sure I'm ready to commit to that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely solid, right? And it's one of those things, like, if you're a good Sentinel player, obviously, like, you're any other team. But, I mean, if you're a good Sentinel player, if you know how to play them and you're bringing the appropriate splashes, you're going to get this off a lot. And your other team members are kind of kind of get that brotherhood, dark dimension type power, right? Where it's just power that they shouldn't have, I say in quotes, right? So, very cool. I think they're less about the leadership and more about how they work as a team, the three Sentinels, right? But when they work together as a team, they get the leadership off, right? So it's a win-win for everyone. Man, my head is a buzz with possibilities on splashes right now. And I mean, we're due for another announcement of character drops soon-ish, you know, knock on wood. So, I mean, the possibilities there, pairing them with the Sentinel leadership is just kind of wild yeah so mutant hunters seems good we're gonna move on to his first actual his own superpower and of course it's an active superpower we've seen it before just a a couple of minutes ago in fact restraint cables choose an enemy character within four and within line of sight the chosen character is pushed towards this character short this superpower can only be used once per turn of course just like with the mark four it will cost two power all right, that's out of the way, Jesse. It's even better on the prime, right, Chris? Because he gains more power from his strikes. And exactly. He has, he has more health, which means he gains more power, right? Because he's being hit more and he's being around more. So he's getting off all the restraint cables he wants in a game, which is amazing. I just, I love, I love res- the accessibility to movement, moving the enemy team that this team has. It's just, mm, seems very powerful. Yeah, for for a turret team, it's it's a perfect thematic addition, but it's an interesting mechanic addition to a attrition turret team. 
essentially. You know, kind of takes them over the top. Let's be frank. I think so too. I I, I think they're going to be very good right out the box. But let's move on to one of the powers that makes the Prime unique. This is a reactive superpower. It will cost you X, and it is pattern analysis. While this character or an allied character within four is attacking or defending during the modified dice step of the attack, this character may spend up to three power to use pattern analysis. For each one power spent, this character or the allied character may re-roll one dice. The range four on that is awesome. And this this these re-rolls for these sentinels with such large health pools already is going to just make them even more tanky. But it also just kind of flare wise, fantasy wise, it's just reinforcing this kind of, you know, automated machines uh, working together, connected somehow, you know, Bluetooth together or whatever, you know, working together. And it's just gives it more of that feel of, you know, digital automatons, perfect Wi-Fi, yeah. future, you know, whatever. Yeah, destroy all humans. That's right. D- so. Exactly. And on top of that, that's, I mean, re-rolls with this team, I feel like is are going to be very powerful, but it does make it harder to justify the spending, uh, like using your spender on the prime. It, it Yeah. That could be for re-rolls for the Mark Force. Right. Or himself on his defenses, right? Mm-hmm. So something we haven't really dove too deep in yet because I was we're going to here at the end of the discussion with Sentinels, but obviously one of their biggest weaknesses, Chris, is just they really don't have they have slightly above average defensive stats, slightly above average health pools, but they kind of live or die by their defense dice, right? So this really helps them out. Also helps out their strikes a lot because these plasma blasts are just getting very consistent with this yeah. prime being Shuri for all of them, right? This is Shuri's ability for the Sentinels. This stacks with Shuri, by the way, or stacks with Arnim Zola or something, right? So you could have another support character at a cheaper threat level to help them get a couple more dice rolls that the Prime can't pay for, right? And just kind of create a consistency with their attacks and defenses that they don't really have without just, you know, without this ability, which obviously, as Chris just said, it's a huge part of his kit, and he can do it every turn, because at the end of his turn, he gets power matrix. At the end of this character's activation, he gains two power, so seems pretty good to activate him early, do a bunch of stuff, do a bunch of damage, hopefully gain some bunch of power, and then maybe restraint cable somewhere, someone out of position, and then at the end of his turn, he gains two power. He's got his pattern analysis online for his allies too, right? Just like those Sentinels, he gains two power at the end of every turn. I, I love this. I, I it's, it's one of those things you and I talk about a lot on the show. Affiliations are not just the leadership, and they're not just the makeup of the team. Mm-hmm. There's some of the abilities of the team, too. Something like Spider-Foes, where everybody's on a medium-sized base, that is a feature of the team. Well, there's a feature of the Sentinels that they get two power at the end of their turns that they can maybe do things with on their next turn or as reactions during your turns coming up. So it's just unique to them. And I like that a lot. It's like they get more power than Asgardians, but they don't get it up front. It's good. Uh, it's good. interesting. Look, it's good game design. Tweak everything you can. That's right. The prime has the same stuff. The Mark fours have, he has signal programming. The prime cannot be advanced or pushed by mystic attacks or superpowers. And when defending against mystic attacks, this character counts wild results and the defense role as two successes. He has an eight superpower flight and immunity to bleed and poison just like the Mark IVs. But let's move on to his backside because some things change as well. They do. Uh, I will say uh, 
the builder stays. Plasma Blast Mark II That's big is deal. unchanged on here. Uh, so no doubling up on the crit uh, explosion dice, but no taking damage for him either. But we do have a change with the power core. We now have an overloading power core. During the power phase, roll five dice. For each crit and hit rolled, this character gains one power. If at least one skull was rolled, this character suffers one damage. So notable that you can only suffer one damage for this. Not bad. Not bad at all. If it was suffer a damage for every skull rolled, that would be quite a different story. This is a... This doesn't feel so much like a bug. It feels like a feature, Jesse. It does, because he gets around what his brethren have, and even himself on his front side. You're no longer doing that future planning of power. You're just saying, oh, I get one power at the top of the power phase, and then I roll five dice. going to get an average of like three, so I'm going to get like four power every power phase, potentially. Obviously, potentially even more, potentially less, but... He just straight up is probably getting two or three power every power phase now, and he's not having to count on his turn to end. And because you know, we haven't talked about that yet, Chris, but they actually have to get to the end of their turn to get that power. And then, of yeah. course, the opponent could like double down and blow them up. And there's just things that could happen push their power over the top, and then they don't get all the value of oh, they, they're, they're a 10 power, they're capped out. So I find this very cool, and it's kind of like a little red skull thing. Like, red skull, you're gonna. You're going to roll the dice and get the power. Yeah. It's just too good. It's just too good. It's not just to, too so. good. Exactly. So this could hurt you, I guess, if you're going multiple, multiple rounds. But if you're going multiple, multiple rounds and we're getting a skull every round, you're still going multiple, multiple rounds with the Sentinel on this side. And he's probably dazing a lot of models because he just is. If he's you going so, if he's around multiple rounds, he's rolling a lot of dice. He's he's double tapping. He's restraint cabling. So yeah. I find this very good. And eight health in the back is still really respectable. Not that scary with this ability. So yeah, I, I think it is a feature. And that kind of brings us to a close of both the characters, Chris, and kind of the feature of this faction is you're going to take the prime and you're going to take the two Mark fours and you're going to build from there. I assume Cassandra Nova or something, but then you're going to build from there. And here's what's really interesting. Is this the new three model package? splash and other teams i'm not saying it's black order levels of power splash it certainly isn't but it's like it's definitely a really cool three model splash and your primary team right absolutely is so that's just exciting itself well you love you love the splash affiliation Eh, not as much anymore i used to when the game needed it to play you know now well yes now teams are fleshed out right but I think this is going to be a feature of the Sentinels. Let's be honest. They're probably always going to be one of the smallest affiliations in the entire game. Just period. They just right. will. Like who could be on their list, right? So Nimrod, it's going to suck. It is going to suck. Yeah. But I'm saying like, I think by their features, they're either going to be like a team. You just go mono and you just bring every little piece you could possibly bring as, as a splash into their team, or you just bring two mark fours of the prime or mm-hmm. two mark fours and a prime into your other teams because i haven't mentioned this yet chris yeah this leadership's really good and i think when people crack it it's gonna be even better but i think we just got a really good new splashable five threat in the game that doesn't even need his buddies and teams. i think you're correct there's it just offers too much like i think a good way to think about it is would you take a less hard-hitting dormammu who can't be moved in your teams that provides a little bit of shuri support probably <laughs> probably yeah because we haven't really touched on the best feature of the Sentinels. I talk about makeup of teams. There's these features that make teams what they are. 
The best feature, Chris, is this Sentinel programming, the first part. They sit their feet on a point on that researcher. They block them up. The way you get rid of them is exactly the way the mutants get rid of them in the shows. They can't move them. They can't do anything. They just have to tear them down bit by bit. And that kind of makes these secure monsters. Not very good at extracts. That's why you just throw Black Cat with them. Then then you win the extracts. Voila. Um, (laughs) No, Sentinel programming is awesome. Not being able to move these guys. I'm just trying to think. There's so many. There's so limited ways to move these guys. I'm just thinking off. It's got to be off of spenders for the most part. Wild triggers. As long as they're not mystic. (laughs) I mean, what? uh, There's a couple cards. Couple tactics cards. A couple size five throws. A couple. Yeah. I am Groot. Right. Can throw these guys. Love it. Theme is right. But like, there's a couple characters that can throw size fives. It's not a lot, man. And um, we're going to dive more into well, that. Well, even future. then, it can't be via superpower. The only no, way to be able to. It's a spender attack. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I don't know. Yeah. They're they're staunch oaks, as it were. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they are the uh, man. They just are sentinels. Like, I love that their weaknesses are this sort of thing I talked about. They kind of live and die by their dice. And that's okay because everything else about them, you feel confident. Like you feel like they're not being moved. So yeah, they might just roll bad on defense and take a bunch of damage, but they got a big health pool. So it's like, there's little things that are their weaknesses and there's things that are their strengths. I kind of love what they bring to the game because just like Dormammu, they're bringing a thing to the game where if they get the secures they want and the player knows how to execute it, you're kind of in trouble because you have to know what your game plan is. If you don't have a game plan, they might just dominate the secures and that could just be it. Right? So I love these type of factions that are going to show up in the game, Chris, that you have to have a game plan against. They're not really, this is an all-rounder team by any means. They kind of have one play style. It's like stay together, go up the middle, kill stuff, and kind of just dominate the points on the map they want to dominate. They're the opposite of Web Warriors. They cannot pivot. You know, they can't change sides of the map. You know? True. So going to take some finesse to play them, but also it's looking appetizing just to have these as a four threat and like a team like x-force or something chris like just just a a tank kind of kind of what i was thinking i just the idea of splashing them as 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 a full a full affiliation you know to go against certain lists uh certain crises or 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 what have you uh sure i don't know the the more we're talking about it just the more likely it seems to me it just makes so much sense to be able to say oh well my normal affiliation doesn't doesn't handle this very well we'll just i'll play the sentinels and just park and just yeah, sh- like park, park and shoot you're like oh the criminals pulled researcher on me yeah okay let's go toe to toe now against criminals fine yeah, man on researcher right let's both park on the researcher and just duke it out you know yeah. so also chris keep in mind something i haven't mentioned yet and this is kind of like a little bit i wouldn't say a super competitive play but it, it is a little bit higher level if you have all three of these sentinels base to base over a secure <laughs> you just block it up like it, <laughs> that's it's horrible it's, it's a castle a castle of robots mm-hmm. and I, I think that's the strat we'll see i, I think people will. will will just and i don't think it's like super super aggressive competitive play i think it's probably the way to play them where it's like oh we are just blocking up the middle gamma and the only way you took us off the middle gamma is by blowing us up which gives us more power and puts us to our injured sides and we can do more damage to you and stuff so interesting call and response with you and your opponent when signals are on the table right there's a lot of things like that that are just interesting 
I don't know. I, I, I love like the AMG's not only giving us new models to flesh out teams, not only giving us new leaders to flesh out teams, which has been an amazing thing for the game. They're giving us new factions like this that really flip the game on its head in different ways. And they're like, hey, I got weaknesses here and I got strengths here. What are you going to do to deal with me? It's true. No, they look fun. I'm yeah, I'm very excited about these guys. Uh, just like I said earlier, my my head is a buzz with possibility. I don't know. Now, inversely, Malekith can throw them with his charge. So yeah. Malekith continues to be awesome. We, we know that. Well, he should be. But I also think they can go toe to toe with Malekith on the way of damage, right? Like, does he really want to get in? Does he want to charge and be next to all three of them, right? Where they could daze him. That's a lot of suppression pr- protocols. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're all, it's going to, in this scenario, we're talking round two uh, at the earliest. So they're all going to be powered up. Yeah. It could, it's definitely a risk for him. Yeah. Which is good. It, it's, it's good Absolutely. for the game. And I love the questions they ask of each other. I'm already getting excited thinking about like playing shield against them. Cause I don't necessarily think shields in a good position to deal with them, but I think it's a fun way to play the game where it's like, I'm moving my gun line and shooting them and then trying to stay outside of their range three and just mm. chipping away with tiny little cuts, like just tiny little <laughs> cuts. And then like, just, you know, but then like they move closer and I kind of move the gun line away. Yeah. Just like in like, famous battles you know through history it's like (laughs) just away but then shoot them laterally and stuff there's a lot of cool stuff that's going to happen with them yeah i'm just excited to see some uh some wolverines cut into them as well you know some lord Eh. kinney's some some logans maybe yeah i was gonna say maybe some logans i don't know about they don't like physical they don't like it that's very true and they don't like pierce either i think sabertooth sabertooth and wolverine could have some fun with these guys i mean maybe even beast Beast feels like he might be good against him. Although that plasma blast would mess him up. Scott Summers, optic devastation. Oh yeah. They're, they're going to be clumped up. It's all about that timing. You know, it's all about, you know, who's coming to who and who's shooting who first. I find it very cool, but yeah, Chris, it's, it's funny because I think it's safe to say the Sentinels are some of our favorite bad guys in Marvel and something I like about them. And I think you and I've talked about this off mic a lot. I like bad guys that are not evil. You know what I mean? Like the and as in like the Sentinels are programmed. Sure. They're just machines. It's very similar to like, you know, the battle droid army of the CIS and, and right. Star Wars Legion, right? I love that type of like villain that's not actually has an evil intent, but they are effective at what they do. You know, I think of like great example, the battle droids in Star Wars, they're tanks, you know, the droidicas and stuff. It's like very efficient what they do, and they're just kind of coming at you, just like the Terminator, right? And um I think the Sentinels are like all those things we love about sci-fi man versus machine and, and and the things that we like in other stories that are man versus machine. But then it's like, this is even cooler because these were designed to hunt down superheroes, specifically mutants who have very strong innate abilities. And I think AMG kind of nailed their theme because they're more than just unstoppable robots. They're robots that analyze and improve and uh, hunt down these superheroes. We love so much in the mutant universe. They're going to be good. They have no evil intent. I don't know. Well, depends. The people that made them, though, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where we get into it. But it's it's they're going to change things. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see where they shake out, kind of in the meta competitively. You know, yeah, yeah. See how many people actually buy them and 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 play them. I'm definitely going to buy the models uh, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it, fun stuff. Very exciting. Yeah, and we've always talked about on the show, but I mean. They're showstopper pieces, and they are going to grab people's attention at the game store. They are Absolutely. bigger than Dormammu. They are more recognizable 
than Dormammu, I would say, in a lot of ways. And um, AMG kind of knocked these sculpts out of the park, Chris. They they somehow nailed that early 90s aesthetic of the Sentinels, but then made them look more imposing, gave them a little bit more armor, bulk, and plates. And they kind of just did what we love so much, where they, they choose an era that they like, and they kind of like update the costume to modern sculpting standards, right? And it's very exciting. Knocked it out of the park as usual. That's kind of what we expect from them at this point. And I'd consider ourselves, uh, we're very lucky gamers for that, I do believe. Couldn't agree more. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show online. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. And email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, or collaborations. And leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. We really appreciate it. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our show's music. And like Jesse said, it really, really helps. Uh, We are constantly grateful and humble for all of your support. So thank you. And I wish we lived in a world where we didn't have to constantly ask for more. But unfortunately, that's where we are. That is the way of the world. But also the game has grown exponentially and I love it. The amount of content creators out there has grown exponentially too. And I think a big part of that is because you guys are hungering for more content. You are subscribing to all these shows that we love so much and you are giving the show's reviews and stuff. And that really matters. So we all appreciate it. You can find Chris and I online. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S. B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Man, House of the Dragon's pretty good, yeah? It is good. I knew Matt Smith was going to bring it. He did. He absolutely did. He absolutely brought it. That guy is just electric on the screen. Absolutely. But yeah, Chris, this has been a fun episode to return to the news. Hopefully we get to do this again soon. Lately, I think we will. We know new stuff's coming. And uh, hopefully you and I will have some cool stuff to report on very soon. But until next time, thanks for listening, True Believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything will surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong.